You guys ready for Bible study? Amen. You know what we do in Bible study? Amen. Study the Bible. And so uh, we're going to do that tonight. And so I hope you're ready. The last uh, two um, Wednesdays, I have been talking about the power to possess. Now, I've talked a lot in the realm of this town is ours. We should own it. This county is ours. We should control it. But is there anything else that we need to possess? Just shout it out if you can think of something. Be on fire for the Lord. We should possess that, that oomph, that, that, yeah, that element of, uh, of we've got to expand the kingdom of God. Uh, do we need to possess our health? Possess our finances? So as, I, as I'm talking about this, because we're going to stay on this. Uh, tonight's going to be the power to possess. And I want to talk about the fight. And uh, because there is a fight. Now, uh, as, I, as I said many times, you know, Paul, I think it was Timothy, said, fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith is not a fight against the devil. The devil's defeated. It's really a fight against yourself to stay in faith and not be moved by what's going on, what you feel, or anything like that. Because if he's defeated... You know, the thing about what Ralph was talking about, when they uh, called him up, he was, Jesus was sleeping, the storm was coming, they were all afraid because the, uh, uh, the boat was filling up with water and they were going to die. Jesus didn't even deal with the water. He dealt with the wind and the waves. And then you don't see him after that helping them bail out, bucket out the, the water. He wasn't afraid. Why? Because he knew where, where he was. The, the storm had no power over even though the storm had power. This, I think, is a, an element where a lot of people miss it. They're fighting in the realm. The enemy gets us to fight in the natural realm. You have no power in the natural realm. You have no, no power in the realm where the enemy fights. He wants, you to get, he wants to get us to fight his fight. And I always use the story going back to Ali and uh, Joe Frazier. Uh, Frazier wanted to just kind of stand toe-to-toe and let's see who can get the hardest. And Ali wanted to dance all around. So Ali's strategy was to get Joe moving because he couldn't fight on his feet dancing around. And uh, Frazier's was, no, let's just stand here. He's trying to get Ali to stand still. They want them to get in their fight. Well, guess what? God has given us the way way to win. And and this is going to sound totally stupid. Now, I'm going to quote a scripture. But if you think about it in the context... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every thought. That's your fight right there. Casting down every thought and every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Now, the enemy wants you to get in the thought, get in the imagination. See, if he can pull us into there, then, then now he's got us fighting on his level where he, where he dominates. But if we stay seated in Christ above every name that's named, now we're, we're fighting from a position that he has no power. And so these things matter in our day-to-day life. Turn, if you would, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to, uh, I'm going to launch off here in chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time over in the New Testament, so I wanted to start off with this verse. This verse, this First um, Corinthians ten one. Moreover, brethren, I would that you be should. I would not that you should be ignorant. Now, what does ignorant mean? Without knowledge. Without knowledge. Uh, there's a difference between stupid and ignorant. Stupid is you know it won't work and you do it anyway. Ignorant is you you don't know, and we're all ignorant on some some things. Uh, you know, you you start talking to me about fixing a car. I'm ignorant. I know how to put gas in it, and half the time I spill. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you how to fix your car. I b- did blow up a battery one time trying to give somebody a jump by crossing the, the wires. Serious story. And uh, you, you don't want to ask me to help you with your car. I'm ignorant. I have no desire to learn. Now, could I learn and become not ignorant? Yeah, I just don't want to. It doesn't float my boat. So we're all ignorant of something. And Apostle Paul said, here, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, who's he talking to? 
the Christians. Well, yes, it is to us in the Bible. But at this particular time, he's talking to the church at Corinth. So the Corinthian believers, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. And he's saying, hey, Christians, I'm going to tell you something here. And I don't want you to be because I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand something. These are New Testament believers. I would that you should. I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud. Now, when he says all of our fathers, who's he talking about? Old Testament. Okay. So these are really bad verses for the people that says, well, I'm a New Testament believer. The Old Testament doesn't apply to me. Because Paul just tied in the Old Testament. He says, all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock. Now, it's talking about spiritual things back here in the days of the law. The spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ, back in the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus stood up and said, you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have life, but they're talking about me. So we talk about the rock where the water flushed out of it, and, uh, and gave drink to all the Israelites, but they were talking about Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Now, does the Bible say that God does not change? Multiple times and in various ways. So if God was not well pleased with many of them, could he not be well pleased with many of us? So let's find out what, because like Paul, we don't want to be ignorant. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. I mention a lot the importance of overcoming. This is one of the verses on that, why it's so important. God was not pleased with them, for they did not overcome their circumstances. They were overthrown in their wilderness. Now, Reading that verse and thinking of another Bible verse, why do you think they were overthrown? Okay, that's true. They didn't have that testimony. But thinking of the words in this verse, it can easily correlate to another very popular verse. Why do you think they were overthrown? Okay, that's a true statement too. But using the words of this verse... We can easily link to another verse in the New Testament. Can, can you think of another New Testament verse that's very popular? I quote it all the time uh, that could tell us why they were overthrown. These answers weren't wrong. I mean, it's just not the answer I'm looking for. Okay, without a plan, people perish. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. All right, give her the prize. Oh, we didn't bring prizes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, so if it says here he was not well pleased, faith is what pleases God. The reason they were overthrown because they weren't dealing with their circumstances in faith. Do you ever hit circumstances that you try to deal with, but you're not dealing with it in faith? There's a problem there. Verse 6, now these things, what things? Everything that the Israelites went through were done were our examples. So, so you and I here today, can we, we can look back into the Old Testament. I'm not going to do that because that didn't work. Remember, remember when, when they raised the snake up on the pole, which was as Christ being raised up? When they looked at him, they were healed. I need to look at Christ for my healing. I can look back there and I can see what they did and see what worked and what didn't work. And, and they were examples. That's what an example is. This is how, let, let me give you an example. And the teacher goes up and they put a math equation on there to show you how it works and how you walk through. It's an example. The Old Testament was our example. If you want to learn how to walk in this life in the New Testament, just the easiest thing, it's an open book test. Go back and look for an example, which the Old Testament has been described as a type and a foreshadow of things that are to come or an example of, of things that are going to come. So he says, he explains it further. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. 
They were driven by their desires. We had graves in Egypt. Can you, can you actually imagine that being a motivating force of living? There was a hole back there in the ground. Do you know you could dig a hole wherever you're at? But we had graves back there, and now we're just dying. Man, we had leeks and melons. Well, the melons I'm okay with, but I'd never look back for a leek. And um, so then, uh, so jump down now to verse 11. Now, all these things happened to them for examples, in samples, examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, who are the ends of the world? Who's going to carry us into, not Jesus, I know that's all about him, but, but who, who's going to take God's work into the ends of the world? That's us. This is the time frame we're living in right now. Upon whom the ends of the world are come, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So, looking back to the Old Testament, they made decision based on what they thought and what they felt, what they desired. So don't do that. Because you think you start getting smart and you can do it your way, you're going to fall. There has no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Several things in this verse. I don't want to spend a lot of time. But the, the enemy is great at isolate, but, but people just don't know what I'm going through. There has no temptation taken you, but such as common. Whatever you're going through, it's common. You're not isolated. You're not a special case. I'm sorry to tell you. As much as you want to think your, your situation's different and nobody understands what you're going through, we're all going through the same thing. It might have a different wrapping paper on it. It might have a different bow on it. But there ain't nothing nobody's going through that isn't common. And God says he would not allow more to come on us than what we're able to bear. I just can't handle this any longer. Yeah, you can. Just shut your mouth. Because he said he would not allow you to get in a situation that you don't have the ability to get out of it. And in that, he will also make a way of escape. Are you looking for the way of escape or are you looking at the problem? Who bears all this responsibility? I do. We want God to do everything, but he's done everything. And, and, and I told you about the, the, I heard a guy praying who said he was a pastor, who apparently didn't ever read his Bible. And, uh, um, but in his prayer, he's saying, Lord, make a covenant with us. I opened my eyes. I thought, you idiot. What do you want him to do? Go back and die on the cross again? He's already made a covenant with you. But see, if, we don't, if we're trying to get him to do everything, I'm sick in my body. Jesus, would you go back and bear some more stripes for me so that I can get well? So that doesn't make any sense, does it? But we do things like that all the time when God has empowered us to overcome, power to possess. We have to understand, we can look back for example. So the reason why I'm doing this, because I'm going to spend the rest of the time in the Old Testament, and if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, um, we're going to spend time back here because I'm going to talk about the fight. We can look back and see how to fight. And so, uh, so we're going to stay right here for a little while. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. When did, when did it start? That day. How long did it last? Forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, in the New Testament, do we have anointing also? Look at, you know, David's anointed here. In fact, let's just read the next verse before I expound on this. The Lord came upon David from that day forward. Jump down to verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Okay, now, you've got Saul is king, and God is going to establish David as king, and so he anointed him to be king. Now, we have anointing in the New Testament, and we have verses that says that he desires us to be kings and priests. King is an authority position. Are we on the same page? Who's in charge now, David or Saul? No, Saul is. Saul's still in charge. David's anointed. The Spirit of God is with David. The Spirit of God has left Saul, but Saul is still in charge. 
Now, if we were to if we were to study this out and say it all the time, uh, uh, anointing never trumps authority. You, you can be you can be highly, highly, highly anointed, but you will not surpass the authority in your life. There's established authorities and there's appointed authorities. In various realms. Now, which do you we, we want it all? I understand that. But which do you want, anointing or authority? Authority is, is higher than anointing. Now, I said, we want them both. Okay, we want to operate in, in spiritual authority and we want to be anointed. But you have to understand, authority trumps anointing. David now is anointed and the Spirit of God is with him, yet Saul, whom the Spirit of God has departed, is still in authority. What did the anointing get David? Actually, it got him a job. He's not on the worship team. He's a heart player. The only thing that changed right now is he's a heart player. You know, a lot of people go, I'm anointed. I can't do that. David was anointed. He got to now start playing the harp. He, he got recruited to Saul's worship team. I mean, it was a one-man team, but, you know. Uh, but but, but that's, what that's what his anointing got him. Now, here's the thing. If you pursue the anointing or you handle the anointing with integrity, it will lead you into authority, which we know the story of David. We know how it ends. But what did they, even David... Even though he was anointed king, when Saul was asleep, he cut the end of his rope and he repented for it because he touched the king. He touched the authority. This is where in, in life nowadays, you know, you, you see the, the jokes and the different things, where, you know, little videos or, or somebody gets mad, you know, because they're, they're speeding and a police officer pulls them over. Don't you have better things to do than, than write tickets? Go out and catch a criminal. Well, actually, you are a criminal because you just broke the law. Okay, and so then, then we yakety-yak at the authority because is there an authority in governmental elements? Absolutely. Have we ever talked about the president? Is that an authority? I mean, does it matter to God? Is it hard not to do? Yes, it is. Don't, don't be sitting there acting all holy on me. I, I look at your social media. So, so David now has a position. He's a heart player. Go to chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. So now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, uh, which were gathered together, at, and they, they give all those names. But really what I want to say is the enemy has now come. Okay, so I, I'm tying this in the, to the power to possess because I'm showing the battle here. And this is what I show. The, the enemy is going to show up. How does the enemy show up in our life? Well, we know John 10.10 10 says he, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So he can attack our body. He can attack our mind. He can attack our our finances, he can attack our family. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of things that are the result of sin that are in the world uh, that, that we have to deal with. And um, so, so the enemy came, and this is on what I've been talking about on Sundays on light, is darkness rising. How do we battle darkness? Because the, the, the devil's not creative. He's just been doing the same thing over and over again. People keep falling for it over and over again, like over thousands of years, we don't learn. And, uh, and we still do it. So now, let's go to verse 8. The enemy shows up. And he stood, this is Goliath, and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set a battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down. Now, up until that point, and actually probably any time thereafter, has there ever been a war waged where somebody said, pick your best person, they'll go one-on-one, -on -one. whoever wins takes all? There has? They fight wars that way? You like talking about, no, I don't know the story of Troy. Okay. Uh, maybe I should have read history before. All right. But at least up until then, it never happened. 
Army's going to fight against army. But again, the devil's trying to change the rules. We got a really big boy here who's really strong and who can really fight well. Now, also, when they were saying that, let, let's go back to this on verse 8. And he says, why are you coming out? I mean, I feel the same. Choose you a man for you. How many is that? And let him come down to me. How many is that? No, it's two. Remember he had an armor bearer that went before him that carried a shield? So it was two against one when David went into this battle. So he's trying to change the dynamics of the war of how it's to be fought. Because on the spiritual side, one can put how many to flight? A thousand. Two can put how many? Ten thousand. So if... If the army of Israel, based on the covenant of God, get in unity and go against the Philistines, can't they outnumber them spiritually because of their unity? So he's trying to get the battle to be fought differently. Let me change the terms of the battle so you can't rely on what's been promised to you. But that's the same thing that the devil does right now that we talked about just a minute ago. He's trying to get us in our thoughts and our feelings, which we have no strength there. The weapons of our warfare are powerful. They're not carnal. They're not natural. Cast down thoughts. You're going to die. No, I'm not. The Bible says I'll live. You're going to go broke. No, I'm not. The Bible says I have all sufficiency. You know, we can go just down, down the, 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 the road of different things that can happen to us. The enemy wants to get us into his arena. Now, verse 9, if, if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall we be your servants and serve us. Now, was he telling the truth? No, the whole thing's a lie anyway. Because David does beat him. And did they just surrender and become serve? No, they took off running. Now, the, the armies of Israel rose up and chased him down and killed him. But even in the, the story, you think the devil ever tells us to just compromise and everything will be okay? Yeah, the enemy's going to come and try to get, well, if you just do this one more time, then it, it'll be that. Have you ever had a last time yeah. that wasn't the last time? Yeah. How many did you have, Peter? <laughs> this will be the last time. I, I'm just, one more time, I'm going to walk, I'm never going to do it again. Yeah, one more what? Sit. Yeah, one more sip. It'll be my last sip. And that's not even a sip. One more thing. One more whatever. See, he's lying to us all the time. What, how does he lie to us? Because you and I are not intentionally having conversations with the devil. At least I hope you're not. Okay. You, just, you and I just think that we're rationalizing things in our brain. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're, they're minded to casting down uh, imaginations and thoughts. So do you think that thought that you're, you're rationalizing things in is really you? It feels like it is. We think it is. But no, that's where that's the enemy's playground is to get us in our feelings, get us in our emotions and get us in our thoughts. That's why the Bible came back in two places and said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Yet we constantly lean to our own understanding. Verse 11. And when Saul, no, verse 11. Did I say verse 11? OK. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Why did fear have its place? They saw how big he was. They saw how big he was. What else? They heard his word. Well, let me change the, the, the uh, from heard to listen. They listened to his words. They, they allowed him to set the narrative of how things were going to be. They had no what? They had no faith. They had no faith. So, so again, they stepped out of the spiritual realm of faith and were trying to analyze this thing on a natural. Spiritual and a natural. Spiritual and natural. Let me throw another one in from a verse we just read about Saul. The spirit departed. You can't be in fear and faith at the same time. They're two separate spirits. Can, can, you, be, can you think that you're doing everything right that you're following God's command and be absolutely wrong? Yeah, we have a Bible story on that. Samson jumped up as other times 
to defeat the Philistines and wist not or knew not that the spirit had departed. Do you know there's a lot of Christians deceived thinking that they're in the spirit, but really they're in fear. Verse 17. And Jesus or and Jesse said unto David, his son. Now, who's his son? David. David. What is David? Anointed. And Jesse said unto his anointed son, soon to be king of Israel and highly favored with God, whose God's spirit is upon him. Take now for thy brethren some bread and some cheese and some corn. And now he's Uber <laughs> or Grubhub. I guess it's Grubhub. Now he's Grubhub. The anointed man of God is now Grubhub. Come here, run an errand for me. He did it wholeheartedly, and running that errand opened the door for his purpose. That was going to change his life. Do you know not, a lot of people never find, never find their purpose, never find what God wants to do because they won't, they won't deliver some bread. I'm better than that. I just, I just really don't feel led to do that. I'm anointed by God, and that's kind of beneath where I'm at. <laughs> Go ahead, Trina. Well, he respected the authority that was his father. Great point. He respected the authority. That, that ano- authority trumps anointing. And as I said, uh, that, you know, I never even thought of it that way. That's a great point. But as, as I said before, if you handle the anointing with integrity, it will open the door to authority. And so his, even though he was anointed, he was still submitted and had authority in his life. Yes, Dad, I'll go do that. Great point, Trina. You go home and get a little like gold star and put it on your, uh, <laughs> on your thing. All right. Um, what verse did I just read? 17? Okay, and 18. Carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousands, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. All right. Now, the anointed got an assignment, but that assignment opened the door for more. Now, remember what I'm talking about, the power to possess. These are all things that we deal with. We're believing God. I know God has something more for my life, and he wants to take me someplace. Then an authority in our act, no, I ain't going to do that. I don't want to do that. So we don't, we don't handle the anointing correctly. We don't pursue the anointing correctly. All these things that, that we're reading in, this, in, the, in the fight of the power to possess, they, they really take place in all of our lives. Uh, go to verse 23. And as he talked, behold, there came up a champion, the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Now these words provoked David. Somebody is talking against my covenant. And it caused David to rise up to action. How do you respond to people talking against your covenant? Is the New Testament a new covenant? Is that our covenant that we live under? In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, it said that with the great exertion of power, uh, God raised Jesus from the dead uh, above every name that is named, every principality, power, and might, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father. And then in chapter 2, verse 6, he says, and seated us in him above every name. So whenever somebody says uh, they went to the doctor and they're diagnosed, do we like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but you know, God's good, and, and he'll take care. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me just pray with you. Oh, Lord, <laughs> I don't want my friend to die. Or does it provoke us? That name has no authority. I caught flack for telling Tammy, get out of fear, and I'll pray for you. I caught flack. <laughs> I should have agreed and let you guys all think that Tammy slapped me. Thought I was mean. What, what happens when you hear that somebody's going through something? Are you more interested in, what would the word be, empathy? In empathy or authority? Authority will get them through it. Empathy, you just can sit there and feel each other. You know, like in an emotional way. I, 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 some of the looks on your face, I wasn't sure what you were thinking. When David heard this, 
for lack of a, to, to illustrate a point, it ticked him off. Who do you think you are to talk about my God that way? You have no authority. You're, you're, you're talking as though you have authority, and you have no authority. Where are you all going? What's up with all the rocks? You're behind. What, what's going on here? David, th this moved David, and, and he understood that the word of God is the authoritative position, and I am in covenant with my God, and you have no right to say this. But how does it work with your with you and your covenant with God? Um, Ralph, go this way. Well, that's the right answer, but how many people do it? That that's my point is do we do it and stand on the word of God? But that sounds a lot of lot like you having to do a bunch of stuff to get to that point. <laughs> that, yeah. And that's the point that I'm trying to make is, is David meditated upon the things of God. When, when he was out there and taking care of his father's sheep, he wasn't playing solitaire. What's that? Killed the lion and the bear. But when the lion and the bear came, you guys seen that video uh, floating around social media? Guys up in the mountains and a mountain lion comes at him. He's got a gun. Looks like he's got like a nine millimeter or something. And, uh, and he's like, get back, get back, get back. And that, that lion is, you know, kind of just coming around. And, man, its speed to launch was fast. And, and the guy did good on pulling the trigger. He didn't hit it. But, you know, he did good on pulling the trigger, which, which scared the mountain lion. But, but the guy was freaking out, the guy with the gun, who was walking backwards when the mountain lion was coming at him. Okay, then he pulled the trigger, and like I said, the, 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 he got near it. It scared the cat, and the cat took off running, but he didn't hit the cat. And, uh, uh, but that's why I, I see a lot of Christians, you know. They, they got a problem, and they're backing up from the problem. They, they, they got a gun. Actually, they got a sword, Christian, you know, sword and spirit. They got a sword, and they're backing up, and when it launches at them, they, they swing it, and they nick it, and it's like, oh, 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 oh. Did you see how I ran that off? We come into church, and yes, this thing started coming against me, but I had the sword of the Spirit and my shield of faith. And, uh, and when it tried to launch at me, I swung, and it took off running. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, can you stand and look death in the faith, look a problem in the faith, and say you have no authority? That, that's what, come on, Bible book. That's, that's what, um, that's where, we should be. This is where the fight. David is revealing to us how to fight. Now, go to verse 25. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up against this woman? He's big, man. Dude, he's tall. You got that guy running with a huge shield. I mean, all he can carry is a shield running before him. And, 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 and surely to defy Israel as he come up. And it shall be that the man that kills him, the king will enrich him with riches and will give him his daughter and will make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him and said, what will happen to the man that killed him? Now, another question. Do the promises of God provoke you? They did David. Yet, we, yet you got the body of Christ, according to statistics, 98 plus percent of people that, that uh, profess to be Christian don't tithe. And the tithers has, there's tithers rights that, that non-tithers don't have. The windows of heaven are open above you and God pours out a blessing and empowerment. God rebukes the devourer on your behalf. And uh, people will call you a delightsome land and he'll bless you uh, uh, with blessings that cannot be numbered. Paraphrase there. Do they provoke you? Well, they don't provoke 98% of the of people confessing to be Christians because they'd rather argue on the, on the dime out of the dollar that, no, it's my dime. How come it went so quiet? <laughs> Everybody was laughing a minute ago. Do the promises of God provoke you? David said, what shall be done to the man that killed his Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should divide the armies of God? He's coming back. He's saying, okay, Goliath has no covenant, uh, no covenant with God, so he's got nothing to stand on. And he says, you, you got these. What are these promises again? Because this guy's a nothing burger. And, and, and the king is going to do what for the person? Really? 
I'll go kill him. I don't know why one of you guys haven't jumped on this opportunity. But you know what happens when opportunities come to most of us? Oh, I can't do that. I can't afford that. I, 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 yeah, you know what? I, I, it just, I don't know if it'll work out for sure. And, and I don't want to step out in faith and, and try to believe God that this is an opportunity from God. I'm just, I, you know, no, no, no. Let, let's just play it safe over here and, uh, and not really put ourselves out on a limb. Smith Wigglesworth, the apostle of faith, said, get yourself so far out on the limb, it's going to take God to get you back. Those are two different perspectives on that. All right. I, I've been kind of making, but are you following me? How to fight? Because we have the power to possess. David understood this. He wasn't moved by all the hoopla that was going on. He, was, he, he had a firm foundation on his covenant with his God. He believed that his God would do what his God said he would do, and he was not going to yield to anything other than that. Go to verse uh, 28. And Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. Now what he spoke was, who's going to do this? What, what's the king's going to get? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Then Eliab, his eldest brother, uh, anger was kindled against David. He got mad at David. What do you think he got mad at David? Jealous. David was doing something he knew he should do, but he was afraid. And he said, why comest thou down hither? Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Did he just get a dig in there? Belittling who he was? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You know, there's always going to be someone in your life that's going to put you down to make them look better. They're going to try to tell you, hey, no, 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 don't get crazy with that face stuff. You need to use wisdom. It's going to try to rein you back in. In this case, it was the eldest brother. Now let's go back in the day when David lived there. Did it matter that the guy was his eldest brother? Well, back in the day, culturally, yeah, the eldest brother was it. I mean, they, they, that's the one that's going to receive daddy's stuff when daddy dies. And, and everything's going to be set around him. And then he's going to be the patriarch of the family. And so, so the words came from a very high position of authority in, in the cultural dynamics of the nuclear family uh, that was back in that day. Now, it might not mean so much in American culture today, but the point is, that positions of authority, that, that cl people close to you, they're going to talk smack. But now what are you going to do? When God's law violates, when, when man's law violates God's, God's law, law, when man law, man's law violates God's law, what are you going to do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down. Daniel would not cave on his prayer. The church in 2020 closed down. Who, who, who's, who's following the biblical pattern? The, the army of Israel hid behind rocks. Go ahead. Wasn't his brother very feeble when he was anointed? So he still could have been like got jealousy in his heart from there? Could be. Very well could be. He probably thought he should have been the one that, that was, was anointed the next king. And he's mad at him. It really doesn't matter. You're, there's always going to be someone. I mean, have you found this to be uh, to not be to not be true? There's always somebody close by that's going to say something to try to steal your thunder. You you make a plan, you have a dream, you want to start a business, you want to move forward. There's always somebody that typically is not successful who's going to rain on your parade. Go ahead. God's law trumps man's law. Every single time. Every single time. Every single time. Every single time. Can you let his word trump your circumstance every single time? Now, a lot of people say, yes, I can. But then when they get into a pickle, they, they step out of God. We, we have a hard time walking in the pressure of believing for the outcome. It's not working. Have you ever said that before? I have. I'll just admit uh, I'm doing everything I know to do, and it's not working. Shut up, David, because is it working? See, is there any question on God's word? Okay, then when I say it's not working, I'm making an, a claim against God. I have to believe it's working even though it doesn't look like it's working. I have to be confident in my heart even though it doesn't feel like it's working. In fact, don't we have a song like that? Even though it doesn't feel like it's working? Waymaker, promise keeper. What was the next line? Waymaker, promise keeper. 
Light in the darkness? My God. That's, that's who what? That's who he is. We've only sung it a thousand times. I still don't know the words. He's a way maker. How, how much do you believe that he's a way maker? Now, you, you can't just answer and say, yes, he's a way maker, because you know that you've heard that he's a way maker. I'm, I'm saying, like, in your circumstance, do you believe he's making a way when it doesn't look like the way's being made? See, this is, this is the pressure in the fight of staying in faith. David now stands alone. Even when he gets in front of the king, you're a boy. Okay, but you can go. Shows the level of fear he has. Let, let's see how he fights. Maybe we can get a strategy. We'll sacrifice this one because he's a kid, but we'll, we'll figure out how well he can fight. And uh, here, take my, my armor. Uh, I don't need a, an armor. I, I can't do that. Let me just go out there in my, my shepherd's clothes with my slingshot. With your what? My slingshot. What's a slingshot? You know, this thing right here. I'm pretty good with it. Let me just go out there. It's really not up to me anyway. God's going to do it. I, j- I just got to put myself in the position of it. And he says, okay, we'll do that. The king. But see, David, by him being willy, willing to be Grubhub, now he's going to deliver Israel. See, if you're not willing to take the assignment, maybe the assignment's what's going to put you in the place. I don't want to be that close. I hate doing that. <sighs> All right. I'll do it. Give me the car keys. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the fruit of the land. All right, let me finish up here. So the words provoke David. Do the promises provoke you? Verse 28, there's always going to be somebody. Jump down to verse 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and I smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, uh, th- oh, this is what it really the point of that little commercial about that floating thing. Uh, David was prepared to fight the lion and the bear when the lion and the bear showed up. This man who had a gun wasn't prepared to use the gun if something came up. So we know David wasn't just out there playing games, skipping rocks on the water, hanging from a tree, acting like a monkey. He was out there meditating on the word of God. He built capacity. That when the lion showed up, he engaged into action. When the bear showed up, he engaged into action. When Goliath showed up, he engaged into action. When a problem shows up, we should engage into action. We should be so prepared on the inside. I remember when I was in finance and I was managing over in Hanford, uh, a financial branch, one of the gals that worked for me, her fiance was a fighter pilot uh, at Lemoore Naval Air Station. And at the time he was 37 years old and uh, uh, Schwarzkopf, uh, what was the name of that? Desert Storm. The Desert Storm thing was going on. And on those uh, fighter pilots, they rotate. They're like so many, so much time on an aircraft carrier, so much time back here, you know, back and forth. And he was on his back here. So he was not in the fight. And he, he was in the office. We're sitting there talking. And he's like, man, I, I'm just so disgusted that I, I'm not out there. This, this thing's going to be over with before uh, I get back on sea rotation. And, uh, and I can't fight in this thing. And I'm like, isn't that a good thing? Because they're like shooting at the planes. And, uh, and it heard that, because she was also related, I think, to another fighter pilot. Somewhere there's another fighter pilot in there. And she read a letter how these, the lasers of the ground to air would come up and got, go through the fuselage and the wings. And they would see them go up the side, you know, like they're real close. And I was telling Steve, he was the pilot over here, uh, you're not going to get killed. He said, no. He said, it's like training for the Super Bowl, and then they sit you on the bench. You want to get out there and you want to fight. You want, you, you've been trained to do this, and you want to put your skills into action. Well, convert that over to a spiritual thing. Have you honed your spiritual skills to convert into action as soon as a problem presents itself to you? Most people haven't. That's why they're so shocked when something bad happens, and they're just crying out to God to deliver me out of this. They don't understand how to themselves stand firm and, and know that they have authority over it. And so he says, I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And the servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this, uh, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord 
delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, your testimony of what God has done for you in the past should be your strongest source of encouragement, not somebody else encouraging you. Now, it's good to have somebody else to encourage you, but what if there's nobody else? If you cannot encourage yourself, this is what David did at Ziglag when they came in, took all the wives, all the kids, all the stuff. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's why we've got to keep our, 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 the answered prayers, the different things that God's done for us, we've got to keep them and stir them up in our memory so that we can testify of them and, and rely upon them. God delivered me out of that. He will deliver me out of this. God took me through that. He will take me through this. God helped me in that. He will help me in this. And we've got to become our, our best source of encouragement. Verse 41. And the Philistines came on and drew near David, and the, and the man that bare the shield went before him. There's the, guy that, the second guy with uh, Goliath. And when the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that you come out here with a stave, a sta stabs? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now, that means that he was using his God's name and cursing David. Or he was using God's name and cursing him. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now, if you remember on Sunday, twice now on the two Sundays, on, on my uh, light, uh, living in light, we read Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? David is a youth. He's a teenager. A young man, he doesn't have military gear on. He doesn't have military weaponization. He was ruddy. He was red. I guess he had red hair. And in, in you know, he didn't look like the rest of his youth. Dark hair, dark complexion. He, he just... <laughs> what are you guys sending out here? <laughs> you puny little guy? I, I, I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air, using foul language in the, the meantime. And David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with sword and, and with spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you, and I will take your head off from you. Now, remember, he doesn't have a sword. I'm going to cut your head off. And I'm going to give your carcasses your, of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now, he did, this is important, he did and he said as he did. Many people are waiting for God to do something. Now, God, God gave the victory. But if David hadn't ran out there, there would have been no victory. Just like when the, the Israelites sat back there, there was no victory. In yours and my life, the power to possess, you're going to have to do something. You have to move toward your opposing force. And as you move forward, and as you do, you just better be speaking to it. Because the, word, the life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when it tries to push back, you've got to stay in the push. You've got to keep speaking the word of God. You got to keep your faith active that I'm in covenant. This has no covenant and God will not allow his word to fail. And I'm going to keep pushing forward and I'm going to keep pushing forward and I'm going to keep pushing forward and I'm going to keep pushing forward. Also, uh, put, put Goliath's head off, Goliath's own sword. God will sometimes take somebody else's possessions, property or whatnot and they have it to use. Absolutely. And we're going to get to that just as, as I close here, but absolutely. You, you may be thinking you don't have what it takes. Oh, it just might be in somebody else's hands. And it's going to get turned over in the process of it. A a absolutely. Now, verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give into your hand. This thing is about giving God glory. It put David in a beneficial place 
but he did it because this was contradictory to the covenant. Poverty, lack, debt, sickness, disease, depression, oppression, uh, all of these things are against the covenant of God. But most people yield to him or take a pill for him so they can manage it. And look at verse 50. And so David prevailed. And so he went in, he killed the giant, he took his sword, he cut his head off. And as I, I, I've said many times before in illustration, I, I don't think he cut his head off and went, let's go get him, guys. I think he grabbed him by the hair and started walking back to the king with blood squirting everywhere. But look what God did. There's nothing wrong in taking spoils. Everywhere in the Bible, they took spoils in the Old Testament. They would go out, they would defeat the enemy, and they would take spoils. We not only should win, we should take spoils. We should come out better than how we went in. Wasn't this the story of Job? He was so much better off on the other side than when he went into it. Same thing with Abraham. When he followed God, he was so much better off than what he was before. We have, I, I, I probably, I don't think I am going to, to go any longer on the power to possess. Um, but over these last three services and tonight on how to fight, we, we've got to shift our attitude. We're okay with just getting by. We're, we're okay with almost reaching our goal. We're okay if it just if it doesn't all fall apart. Maybe we, t maybe we take a loss, but we can survive the loss. You know, let, let's put it in money to make it make sense. Let's say we had a financial loss, but we had enough money in the bank that we could just cover the financial loss and we could keep moving, we could start rebuilding. We're okay with that because it, it didn't ruin us. We got to not be okay with that. When Joshua went into Ai after Achan stole the tithe out of Jericho, they lost, anybody remember the number? It was a small number. 13 people or? I have 13 people, 26 people. I mean, it's just a handful of people. Joshua rent his clothes, threw dust on him and all those things that they did back there because it's like, no, God, you told us we were going to go in here and we weren't going to lose. We just lost. I expect to go into a battle and not lose one person, but gain victory and gain their stuff. What went wrong? We don't, ha we don't have that same mentality. We've got, we got to change our disposition. How are you going to do that? You've got to realize that God's not a liar. And you've got to stand on his word until his word comes true. doesn't matter what's attacking you emotionally, physically, your family, your dog, your money. It doesn't matter. You've got to stand on the word of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. But God, let it become a reality to us.